0: Well, the essential uh, challenge is that things are improving in Africa, but things are improving more slowly than elsewhere in the world.
1: Welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. I'm your host, Rekweer Wait. In today's episode, I speak with Yaki Slyia. We discuss his new book, Africa First, Igniting a Growth Revolution. And without further ado, here's the interview. Yaki, welcome back
0: on the podcast. Thanks, Rekweer. Thanks for inviting me back.
1: Yaki, your new book, Africa First, Igniting a Growth Revolution, considers the challenges facing the continent and models the vital transitions required to move Africa from its potential towards reaching prosperity. Um, So so with that in mind, what are some of the key developmental challenges facing Africa, um, which you obviously speak to in your book?
0: Well, the essential uh, challenge is that things are improving in Africa, but things are improving more slowly than elsewhere in the world. So, um, with a few exceptions, but if you would take education or you would take indicators on health and so on, you find that uh, Africa, things are improving. Of course, it differs from country to country, but uh, uh, that Africa is progressing slower than in the rest of the world. So, if we were to draw a graph, the image that I use is that of a kind of a a yawning crocodile, and that is that uh, the bottom part of the graph, Africa, let's say on average incomes or GDP per capita, things are going upward. But the top end of the graph, the other line, which is the averages for the rest of the world, increases much more rapidly than Africa. And this growing gap is what concerns me. At the moment, Africa is off track to meet many of the sustainable development goals, particularly headline goal one, which is alleviating extreme poverty. And this is really uh, and the introduction of the book sets this out, this is really where the book departs from. What needs to be done to start closing that gap?
1: Mm-hmm. So so it's a, we, we're seeing that there is improvement, but the big issue is it's not enough compared to the rest of the world, and then there's this rising, rising gap in Africa. If we don't do anything, that gap will simply uh, keep on increasing.
0: Yes, or it will take a very long time, To start closing that gap, because eventually, for example, Africa's large demographic dividend will kick in. But we are something like 30 years away from Africa achieving the benefits of the contribution that labor makes to growth. Africa only gets there as from about 2050 onwards. Until that point, in actual fact, our very rapidly growing population is a drag on growth, uh, and only when uh, the size of the working age population to dependents gets beyond a certain level does labor adequately contribute to growth. So um, eventually things improve for Africa, but it takes a very, very long time. Africa is, in a sense, modernizing too slowly. So what can be done to uh, speed that up is what the book is all about.
1: Mm. so I, I think you, you raised the uh, important point there is this the time it will take obviously the lo- the longer time we it, it, it the longer it takes um, to to bridge this gap obviously there's uh, generations of people still stuck in poverty and it you know obviously we want to get more people out of pop- poverty as fast as possible
0: yes um, and that uh, you know requires eventually much more rapid growth uh, economic, growth. Uh, Generally, when we look at poverty indicators, we say, well, it's a combination of reducing inequality and speeding up economic growth. And Africa is relatively unequal. Of course, Southern Africa is much more unequal than, for example, North Africa, which is the most uh, equal uh, region in Africa. But um, given its very rapid population growth, the rates of economic growth uh, that you would need in Africa to um, move forward are really rates in excess of 10, 12, 14%, and that's just not not achievable. So you have to do a lot of things. You have to um, eventually reduce, uh, 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 find a way of getting to your demographic dividend earlier, which means reducing total fertility rates through family planning and so on and so forth. You have to increase your uh, Uh, economic growth rate. Uh, That could be done by industrialization, um, the implementation of the African continental free trade area. And you have to do that while constraining growth in inequality. And that could be done by, for example, reducing uh, or uh, rolling out social grants or a basic income grant, as South Africa is indeed already doing. So all of these Pieces of the puzzle need to come together if we are eventually to um, more rapidly improve uh, in uh, incomes and a variety of other indices in Africa.
1: Hmm. Okay, so so I, I think again, there it's it's about not only achieving growth and raising incomes, but it's also about countering this inequality and getting more more equality in, in that process. Are you? Um, Yaki, then. Is, You know, in in, in the book, you you look at um, specific scenarios, you use the International Futures uh, Forecasting Platform to model 11 scenarios on exactly what we just mentioned, these different uh, strategies uh, that the continent can use, countries can use to ignite the growth revolution and take people out of poverty and into employment. Could you tell us more about this platform?
0: Yes, so the International Futures Forecasting Platform is hosted and developed by the Frederick S. Party Center for International Futures, which is uh, based at the University of Denver in Colorado. I spent several months in Denver working on IFS as we know it. IFS is the International Futures Forecasting Platform. And it is, in one sense, a massive database. It's got uh, several thousand data sets in it, literally every data set that you can think of, from the IMF to UNESCO to uh, whatever. And it then does its forecasts um, initializing from... About 500 of these uh, indices, and the forecasts themselves are integrated. And this is the, the big difference between ifs and most other platforms. And that is that uh, its uh, forecasts are integrated, and they are all and the data on ifs um, and the algorithms and the way it does its forecasts are all open. So you can go and download the ifs platform from the web. Uh, it's it's big <laughs> um, and. <laughs> Uh, you can uh, apply it and pull the levers. It's quite complicated in, in one sense, but um, it's also consistently being updated and uh, refined, and further additions being done. So quite different to many of the forecasting platforms from, let's say, the consulting companies, McKinsey or whatever. Ifs is open source. It's free, and the data that it uses is all publicly available. What is and this is then brought together in this massive algorithm that that does the the long term forecasting. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it, it's really, I've, yeah, from my um, exposure to this as well, it really is a, a powerful tool. Um, Yaki, then you use you obviously use this thing in your analysis, and, and you start looking at Africa in terms of its current path, the so called current path. If if things continue, um, you know, as it is at the moment. Um, it gives you an idea. You can you can get an idea and a sense of what the what the development trajectory will look like going forward. Um, so so that's kind of a starting point to say if we carry on um, almost a status quo situation going into the future, what could that look like? So what does this picture of Africa's future look like um, in, in in your book where you did the the
0: analysis? Well, let's take. Maybe the easiest uh, dimensions and that uh, to point to the fact that Africa at the moment is about 17% of the world's population. The book takes a forecast horizon out till 2040, when Africa will be about 23% of the world's population. So that's a difference of about six percentage points. Yet Africa's Economic size, we are 3% of the world's economy. And by 2040, we will be 4% of the world's economy. So that just illustrates, I think, in those two simple metrics, the growing divergence that I'm speaking mm. about. The fact that Africa's got this very large growing population. Um, and yet the and while the economy of Africa is increasing, its relative size as a portion of the global economy remains quite marginal. And that is the question, how do you speed up that transition? And that really is what the book is all about. Mm,
1: and and I think it, it speaks to the idea we mentioned, it's it's there's so much potential there. How can we move that potential into real how can we realise that potential into getting prosperity and getting that share of of the global in the global economy up to, to what it should be?
0: Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, the obvious things that, that can happen to change that, like the implementation of the Continental Free Trade Area, um, industrialization, and so on and so forth. But it is the combination of all of this that is actually required.
1: Mm, yeah, you, t- you touched on it earlier, and, and I think it's it, it often comes out. There's no one simple um, action or, or plan that can fix all of it. It's really a combination of many things and the kind of the effective implementation of all of these strategies together um, that can give you the results. Um, and, and then that leads me to, to my next question on the 11 scenario interventions you used, um, which looked at specific sectors. I can mention a few. It's education, agriculture, manufacturing, health and sanitation. And then you also consider specific issues, which you've, we've touched on briefly, as demographics, um, good governance and technology. Um, what are some of the key insights for policymakers? Um, you know that they can adopt from from the scenarios um, going forward.
0: You know, it, it what works for countries, of course, uh, differs hugely. Africa is a very diverse continent. of fifty five countries, uh, what's it, one point three billion people, and so on. So, uh, African countries are also at different stages of development. So. In Africa first, I generally use the World Bank's uh, income classification of countries. They make a distinction between low, lower middle, upper middle, and high income countries. Only two African countries are high income. Those are the island states of Seychelles and Mauritius. There are seven uh, upper middle income countries, including South Africa. And then you go down, I think there are 23 Uh, low-income countries. Uh, uh, These country classifications helps one to get an understanding of those countries that share similar uh, characteristics, characteristics that relate to education and so on and so forth. So um, I use these as a tool to try and get a view on this on this uh, on this complex uh, continent, and then there's a chapter on each of these eleven interventions, and I conclude in a in a concluding chapter where I bring all these eleven interventions together in one um, uh, combined scenario, which I refer to as the Africa First scenario, to see what is really possible if all good things come together. Everything goes right. We stabilize the continent. We industrialize. We implement the African continental free trade area. We leapfrog and do all those things what is possible. And um, in a sense, uh, there, there are recommendations that relate to each of these sectors. But eventually, the book says it depends on <laughs> what your level of development is, but uh, mm-hmm. and which sectors have growth potential. Generally, low-income countries would have greater agricultural um, Potential, or they would generally rely more on agriculture while your upper-middle-income countries would go more into manufacturing and services, uh, high-end services-led growth. So it differs from country to country, but <laughs> the, the story actually is what you were referring to, and that is there is no simple solution. And all of this needs to happen, exactly what needs to happen differs from country to country and from income group to income group. But it is that if you want to advance a country, you have to improve the human capital of the country, you have to invest more, um, and uh, all of these kind of things come together that eventually translate the potential of Africa um, into real prosperity.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So again, a good point, there, Yaki, okay, is the country-specific context, and obviously the the country country income group context makes a difference in terms of what could work. Um. And and then I think the other thing that came out is obviously there are all these different actions that can be followed and policies, but when you put all of these different things together, I I think you talk about an agglomeration effect. Um, which is then obviously each each kind of intervention can have a positive impact, but when you put all of it together, um, that impact can be much bigger as these things work together.
0: Yes, and that is the advantage of using an integrated forecasting platform such as FS uh so that you you get a um, an added benefit um that is uh, beyond the uh benefit of just better education and better um calories per capita and actual fact productivity improves beyond simply uh the improvement in human capital and that is what is uh uh, uh what the advantage of such an integrated platform gives you in terms of looking at what is the true potential. So it's not really only a question of adding these eleven interventions together and seeing what the impact is, but it is the interaction within each of them that eventually changes Africa's prospects for the better over over a long time horizon. 2040 is you know two two decades away from where we are today, so it's a long term forecast. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Okay, oh, that that makes sense. Um
0: Yaki, then we have the
1: added current context and and complexity of of obviously the impact of COVID-19 and um recent analysis by the African Futures and Innovation team at at the at the institute forecast that COVID-19 is set to undo several years of development progress in Africa taking us back um you know, from from where we where we were, um, how has this altered the landscape in terms of challenges and and opportunities for Africa?
0: You know, when one looks long term, then an immediate crisis like COVID um, is is of less importance. But there is no doubt that uh, the COVID pandemic is the largest shock that has hit Africa in uh, post uh, uh, post Cold War history. For example, um, this year alone. Um, 2020, We expect that about 14 million additional Africans will be classified as extremely poor. And the continent's uh, GDP, uh, because of the growth contraction, will shrink by about $200 billion this year in 2020. These are large numbers, and these have a large impact on increasing poverty. Um, And and generally, Africa will only get back to its 2019 levels of income by about 2024, 2025, depending on which scenario. So we recently released a report where we looked at the impact of COVID, um, and and that impact um, is is huge. Um, And and it means that instability is going to increase on the continent. It means that uh, lots of people are going to become very unhappy, and uh, uh that will have all kinds of, of challenges with regard to not only stability but on long term growth. And the rest of the world or each one is looking after their own interest. So COVID is is a is on the one side, when you look really long term, it, it may appear as a blip, but uh, it's it is going to have a huge impact on the future of Africa.
1: Mm. And and it sounds especially it's the one is the the health, obvious health impact, but the Kind of the in, indirect spillover effect um, is is quite significant, and and you've you've touched on those points. How you know it it, it affects multiple areas. So yeah, it's definitely um, something to watch. And and in Yaki then. You are currently working on a bigger project uh, called uh, Potential to Prosperity that builds on the work that you've done and the modeling you've done for Africa First. Uh, could you please tell us a bit more about this project's, uh, pro- the project and the plans for policy outreach that you have?
0: Yes, so potential to prosperity is uh, really going down an additional level. So in addition to fully taking into account the impact of COVID, uh, we are updating the scenarios uh, to be able to make sure that they hold at the country level. Um, Africa, Africa first really looks at the continental and the regional level. Potential to prosperity looks at the country level at Africa. So we want to make sure that our interventions for education, health, sanitation um, are reasonable at every country level. And then for every country, we look at uh, what is a reasonable but aggressive scenario. Um, What would be the impact of, for example, improvements in the provision of water and sanitation? Um, for each of Africa's 55 countries. So it builds on Africa. Potential to prosperity builds on Africa first. Uh, It's got the same time horizon. It's got more or less the same structure. It's just much more detailed and much more rigorous. Um, And we are in the next um, few months We will be hosting expert discussions. We will bring the world experts together on each of these uh, sectors. So, for example, let's say on uh, leapfrogging, we are bringing global experts together. We present to them our forecast on what is the potential impact of technological leapfrogging on Africa. And we ask them, uh, please uh, help us to, is this reasonable? Um, Are we being totally over-ambitious or underestimating the potential impact of digitization and leapfrogging? And then we will um, calibrate and uh, redo our uh, forecasts. And after having these sessions, one on each of these scenarios with global experts, so we're having something like 12 or 13 uh, expert sessions from now until the end of February. And then we are going to publicize and release the results. Uh, at a massive conference uh, that we are hosting together with the Gordon Institute of Business Sciences, probably in May of next year, where we will then mm-hmm. um, uh, release our forecasts on what is possible. Where can Africa be by 2040 if all these uh, scenarios um, occur and, and and are implemented by appropriate leadership?
1: Mm. Yeah, so I, I can hear yeah, there's a lot of... of... You know, extra additional research going into this, and it's going to add value in getting into that country level um, specifics. And and I'm sure this is going to be a great help, um, especially thinking about all the interactions you're going to have with global experts. Um, in in terms of, of you know valuable uh, a valuable resource for for policymakers, and I'm, I'm I'm sure they're going to find value from this. Thank thank you, Yaki. Um, I think, that, yeah, it, it's it's again been a great pleasure um, speaking with you. Um, and, and I found it very, very interesting and, and helpful. And I'm going to keep an eye out. And I think the listeners will keep an eye out. And I'll share information about this project going forward as as it develops.
0: Thanks, Rukwira. And thanks for inviting me back to your podcast. I appreciated that.
1: And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, happy listening.